Welcome to Highway to Well, a new podcast from Zoe Sakutis and Erica Huss, the founders of the iconic juice brand Blueprint. Hear their candid conversations and tales from the trenches as they swap stories with entrepreneurs and wellness leaders alike. Tune in weekly as they inform and amuse. And now, here's Zoe and Erica. Hey, Zoe. Hey, Erica. When's the last time you had a green juice? This morning. Ah, good. What was it? What kind? Guess what? I made it myself. You did? In an old-fashioned juicer. Kicked it old school? In like a Breville, How long actually. Did How long did it take? Oh, my God. It took me like um, five minutes. Five full minutes. Well, it only took me like five minutes because... I had prepped all of my vegetables beforehand. Oh, so yeah, I had all of it prepped. It's also a great little activity for my little toddler. I'm like, let's juice, That's and so favorite. he's just like gets very excited to see everything just get pulverized. Um, so I had uh, my green juice, a lot of good stuff in there, and I added some chlorophyll. Mm-hmm. I added some vitamin D, like drops, drops. Yes, and I added some aloe. Great for inflammation. Yes. This is just odd because, you know, Blueprint was sort of like conceived because, um, you know, I was tired of juicing because it's so damn labor intensive. And here I am back to the beginning. And I still don't own a juicer. Uh, I had to go out and get one because, you know what, it's just not tasting fresh to me yeah. recently on the shelves. Everybody, you got to stop pushing that shelf life. I know. I people. Mean, I'm, yeah, I uh I don't, I don't, I don't partake and I don't participate or purchase the um, whole lot of the shelf stable juices these days. They, I agree, they don't, they don't really taste great. They don't really look. They're just getting a little little swampy. Getting a little swampy. Swamp water. But I feel like so many of them have so much apple and they're so sweet. Yeah. It's like opposite extremes. Like if there's one with no apple, I don't really find that enjoyable either. I like eat somewhere in the middle or maybe a different kind of fruit or something. But it's just not. You got to balance it for me. Got to balance it. Why do you ask, Erica? I was just curious because, you know, when we talked to Joe the other day, it kind of... Joe? Joe Cross. Joe, the juice bottle, the juice man. You have to do it because I have the worst Um, Australian accent. We sat down and we talked to Joe Cross, Kiwi. No, not not Kiwi. Kiwi. He's an Aussie. He's an Aussie. Oh, my God. He's going to be so insulted when he hears that. JC, Joe Cross, not to be confused with Jesus Christ. No. Although, although he, you know, <laughs> he has some parallels. He has, a, he has a large presence. He's got a mission. He's making you drink things that you didn't think you were gonna like, and turning things into other things. He's Joe is the juice man. Joe the juice man. I, I came to this country with a brivel and a dream <laughs> to make a movie called Fat, Sick, and Nearly Dead. Because I was indeed fat, <laughs> sick, and nearly dead. Dead. Ugh, I'm really so bad at it. I feel Listen. like that is what I should actually work on in voice lessons, and not my singing. It should be my Australian accent because it's fucking terrible. And another thing about that part of the world, all these national treasures have, like, things wrong with them. Like, kangaroos can't turn, go backwards. The toilet goes counterclockwise. The toilets flush backwards. And, like, the kiwi birds can't even fly. What is Guys, a kiwi bird? The kiwi, the New Zealand. Again, we're talking about different I know, countries. but I'm talking about that side of the earth. Okay. okay? I'm, I'm zooming out. <laughs> okay, anyway. Um, uh, but luckily, Joe can walk forwards and also use toilets uh, all around the world. So hopefully, um, it's unfortunate we didn't get a chance to talk about that with him. But yeah, <laughs> there's some other pearls of wisdom that can be taken from that conversation. And if he loses any more weight, he probably can fly. <laughs> Hi, Joe. G'day, guys. How are you? Good. Thanks it's for having me on the show. It's been 100 years since we've seen you. It has. Literally. It has. I think 
I calculate up to four million minutes. What? Yeah. yeah. You're calculating in minutes? It was like four years. I think I think a million minutes is a year or thereabouts. So we saw you when I know it's two years. A million minutes is two years. So it's been uh it's been four years, I think, since we were together. This is too much math. I know. It's a lot of math. All I know is 525,600 minutes. From Rex. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. All right. Well, Joe Cross, welcome to the show. We are sitting here with Joe Cross, a New York Times bestselling author and the man behind the award-winning documentary film, Fat Sick and Nearly Dead, founder and CEO of Reboot with Joe, his production company, and the Guardian of his global community of over 1 million people. He is inspiring to pump up the volume of their micronutrient intake and drink something green. <laughs> That's a super long um, title. That is a long title. All is that all caps. on your business card? You know, it's very difficult when people like sit next to on airplanes. You know those conversations you have when people say, hey, what do you do? I've refined it now down to one thing. Okay, what do you say? I'm a storyteller. Oh. That, that's what I do. I tell stories. I thought you were going to say I'm an entrepreneur, but I like storyteller. Yeah, I'm a storyteller. I think there's roles in society for everybody. And, you know, I figure that whether I was born now or whether I was born, say, a million years ago, I'd be the bloke sitting around the fire telling the stories. And I'm the guy now telling the stories into digital equipment. And, you know, sometimes there's a, there's a lens on me with a camera and we call that a movie. And other times it's like this and we do a podcast and we other times it's live and you're in front of people. But um, at the end of the day, you know, I'm just telling stories. So what's your story, Joe? Ah, well, <laughs> how long have we got? Uh, well, well, I think my story that, that, that the world is interested in is, is what, was, what I did with Fat, Sick and Nearly Dead. That Fat, Sick and Nearly Dead title started or came from the conversation I had with myself on my, the morning of my 40th birthday. You know, I looked in the mirror after a massive night out with uh, my buddies. You know, there was something about turning 40. I'm not sure what it was, but you know, it's sort of like the four in a 40 is like closer to a five and a six and the three and the two are sort of like, but it was just this number. Reset of, to zero. Yeah. It was, it's it, culturally, it's a big deal. I think globally. It, yeah. And all of a sudden, like someone hit the fast forward button and I woke up and I was 40 and like, where did all that time go? I just remember it was just like yesterday when I was 20, when I was playing rugby, I was rowing, I was an athlete, I was running 10 miles twice a week. I was, you know, fit, healthy, had abs, you know, could look down and see my toes. And (laughs) on this particular morning on my 40th birthday, you know, I was like 330 pounds. I was loaded up on medication for debilitating autoimmune disease that I'd had for seven years. I was pre-diabetic. I had high cholesterol, high blood pressure. You know, I was um, a walking time bomb. So I was fat, I was sick, and because I was 40 and because I had this sort of aha moment that Oprah likes to talk about, I was basically nearly dead. It was from that conversation, that moment, which I call getting into the house of mirrors and having a good hard look at yourself and being completely honest and stop this idea of procrastinating that I had been doing for like five, 10 years. You know, one day I'll do something about this, but not today. I'm too busy with all my businesses, you know. What were all your businesses? Well, I I, I mean, I mean, I I was a sort of a serial entrepreneur. I I built companies. I was in, I started my life out in trading. So when I left high school, I didn't do college. I I got a job as a courier and then I, I was 17 and I was delivering mail back and to this place called the Sydney Futures Exchange. That's kind of like where all these guys scream out with numbers and they wear these colored jackets and it seemed like fun. And it was in the mid 80s. And I was like, okay, I want to go and work there. So I hassled the guy who was the boss and I said, give me a try, give me a try. I can do this. I can count. And I got a loud voice. And <laughs> so when, I'm, when I was 18, he gave me a try, which was very young to be a trader. And I was really good at it. And after five years, when I was 22, I left that company and started my own business. And I built a, a very successful brokerage firm, which ended up being the largest firm in Australia for volume of the futures exchange. And I sold that to a big US bank just before the crisis. 
did very well. But as my bank balance grew, so did my waistline and so did the scales. And, you know, I was living large and going out and drinking 10 beers, two bottles of wine, half a bottle of vodka, smoking two packets of cigarettes. That was not uncommon. Yeah. You know, that was my life. And In one night? Oh, yeah. Yeah, no. Wow. But it wasn't every night. So it, it, it wasn't every night. But I was what, you know, the typical binge guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like I was a binger where Joe would be, you know, not doing anything for like five days because I'm working and I'm flat out and I'm having pizzas by the desk and I'm eating takeaway Chinese and Thai food and I'm getting McDonald's on the way home or something like that, you know. I really did live that life of just constantly on processed food. Yeah. And of course, then when I'd go out for the party time because I let the steam off, then I'd go crazy on the alcohol and the smoke. So on that day, I said, you know, there's no point having all these watches or these cars or, you know, that stage I had a boat and all this materialism. Like I'd built wealth, but what about my health? I mean, hello, isn't that kind of like the most important thing in your life? And I had my values, my principles, my priorities completely out of whack. So I need to work out a way to declutter my life and I need to focus on Joe. I need to become the CEO of my own health. See, for these seven years, eight years at this stage, I had outsourced my health to somebody else. I I basically went along to doctors, people in white coats with lots of letters behind their names. And I said, hey, you know what? I'm really sick, but I'm super busy over here. So here's a bunch of money, all right? You fix right. me, me and I'll, I'll come back to you when you've got the result. You, you, you go and work it out, guys. So at this time, I just decided that I was going to reclaim that mm-hmm. and, and become the CEO of my own startup, which was Fixing Joe. I will say that I didn't all of a sudden run out and change everything that day. I was so hungover from the night before that I actually remember having McDonald's for lunch that day, <laughs> even after making this decision. This is a slow process. But, yeah, but, but, but I think that's important yeah. to say because you just don't have these moments where this happens and then all of a sudden everything's good. It takes some time to work out what you're going to do, why you're going to do it, which family and friends and loved ones are you going to ask for support and how are you going to create this community to help you succeed? Mm-hmm. And so I went about that. It took me close to a year to assemble that. And then right towards the end, when I had this idea of basically, you know, the, the premise of my, of my solution was not rocket science. I decided to listen for the first time, you know. Um, my grandmother told me, Joe, you've got two ears and one mouth. You should listen twice as much as you talk. And That's I kind amazing of, advice. And, and I kind of wasn't doing that, guys. Smart. And look, I knew I was overweight. I knew I was sick. And, you know, my mum was worried about me. My dad was worried about me. People would say it. But, you know, I, I can tell you now, maybe there are people out there who can, who can feel this or know this, but if you are hurting, people telling you how that you're hurting, people telling you you're overweight, that does nothing. That actually makes you dig in yeah. more. It's got to come from within. This change has to be a within change. And I... I spoke to a professor, Ron Penny, who said, you know, Joe, 70% of all disease is caused by lifestyle choices. Just think about that, guys. 70% of all the pain, all the suffering, all the misery, all the hurt is because of what we do to ourselves. This is epigenetics. It's just like you're going to turn it on or you're going to turn it off. Correct. And I heard that and I, because I was sick, I actually flipped the other way. Like, you know, those, that old story of the glass half full, half empty. Mm-hmm. I then said, well, that means that I've got a 30% chance that this illness I've got is just bad luck, but a 70% chance that I can fix it because it's me. Right. You like those odds. Yeah. I like those odds, yeah. you know. So I, know, I needed a plan to find out which camp am I in. Am I in the unlucky camp or am I in the imbecile idiot camp where I'm doing it to myself? Mm-hmm. And my strategy was a pretty simple strategy. Look in the mirror. Okay, I'm sick and I'm overweight. And let's look at how I can rectify those two things. And 
I kind of had this view of the fact that when I left home and I left mum and dad, I, I moved out when I was like 17. It's like, hey, every night is Sunday night. <laughs> and so I basically turned my back on Mother Nature and, you know, you cannot ignore the biological laws of cause and effect. And guess what happens? I broke. Now, I didn't break when I was 19 or 20. I didn't break when I was 25. I broke when I was like 32. Mm-hmm. And I just wake up one morning and broke. And all of a sudden, I went from being well to being broken. It dawned on me when I was 40, <laughs> believe it or not. So I decided that, you know, looking at this logically, there's only three things we can all eat, animal product, processed foods, and plant foods. And the average consumer um, in the US and Australia and Great Britain and the Western world is consuming, it depends how you measure potatoes, but it's in the, you know, just to be kind, if you put potatoes in, it's about 10% is coming from plants. It's about 60% that's coming from process and about 30% from animal in terms of total caloric intake. And I was probably not average. I was probably like, you know, 2% or 3% from plants. When you think about that, you know, that's like, how, how silly is that when the history of humanity is mostly plants and an animal product? It wasn't this new kid on the block, which is processed food. Yeah. So I decided that what I would do is do a test. I would do two years. You know, I've, I've done 20 years of smashing myself. What if I do two years of just eating plants? It was just the logic of, I turn my back on Mother Nature. I need to go and knock on her door and say, hey, will you have me back? And when I did, and she said, hello, Joe, you haven't been around for 20 years. She said, well, listen, you know, talk's talk. I need action. <laughs> I, I, I need to see, I need to see you doing this. Yeah. And then maybe I can help you. Okay. So I didn't know this because at this stage, I'm trying to work out, am I in the 70% camp or am I in the 30% camp? So this idea of just consuming plants, I figured if I just did it for a week or two weeks, that's not enough. I really went to a two-year number. I thought that's 10% of what I've done for, you know, to unwind the damage. So I made this commitment to myself that I would do two years of just eating fruits, vegetables, nuts, beans, and seeds. But you arrived at all of this kind of formulation, formula, just on your own. Like you're not yeah. really reading up or Oh, getting... no, I was, I, was, I, was, I was looking at articles. I was watching stuff. Okay. This is 2006. Right. Okay. This is, this is 2006 yeah. we're talking about. So there was no Netflix, there was no streaming, you know, YouTube was a year old. There was no social media. And so, you know, we only had like 18 months of YouTube. So there wasn't a lot out there. I was just looking at stuff and, you know, things like, I I read books like, you know, Eat Right for Your Blood type. And I read a book about a fruitarian who was a Qantas pilot, you know, because I'm from Australia, as you can tell. And I remember reading that book and he called himself fruitarian. I remember reading, that was a short book, but that was interesting that he only lived on fruit. All these sort of factors just made a logical step to me that I'm not saying that animal products bad, but, you know, maybe I was going too much and processed food. I figured, well, that's made by people in white coats and all I'm doing is seeing people in white coats. So maybe that's like a trap I need to get out of. I figured that why don't I just try this two years of eating just fruits, vegetables, nuts, beans and seeds just to see what happens. You know, I know, I know it sounds crazy, but you've got to understand I was hurting. I was in bad way. Hey, listen, now, you're talking to somebody who is a raw foodist. So I was closer to that fruitarian than you think. Yeah. <laughs> it, it doesn't sound crazy. The only thing that sounds crazy is that you actually were able to even get your brain around two years. I feel like even now yeah. with all the information people have, they still would make the commitment for like, okay, let me see how I feel in two weeks yeah, and then well, reassess. I actually didn't do two years, but I'm telling you what I, this right. was my plan. So that was going to fix the sick part. Now on the fat part, I kind of like was really angry at like the biology of humanity. Like it's so much fun drinking Coca-Cola and eating Oreos, watching sporting games on Saturdays and Sundays. <laughs> but why is that such a 
you know, that fun, why should that be so detrimental yeah. to the body? Like, why is it eating 3,000 calories on a pizza, you know, and all of this? So when you start looking at it logically, like fat gets a really bad name. I mean, fat, you know, you just think about how the fat's been hammered for the last 30 years in the media. And if you are Well, you're fat, not talking about consuming fat. You're talking no. about being I'm an the overweight sh- the person. The fat shaming, the whole yes, fat yes. thing, right? Now, the reality is, is that fat is stored energy on your body that is protecting you in case a famine comes. That's the whole, the the logistics of how we have become the most successful species on this planet is because that we are able to store our energy so that when lean times come, we don't need to go foraging and looking for it. When you create an environment like we have in the last 150 years, where it's so much easier to consume calories for so much less work, then you put the position where the humans are going to just consume, consume and consume and not actually think about the fact that or they just do it without thinking. There's lots of reasons, but about a third of the population is obese. So a third of people are doing things like this. But when I talk to people who are overweight, I don't see fat people. I see people full of energy. I see people full of potential energy that hasn't been utilized into life. And that's how I saw myself when mm-hmm. I looked in the mirror. So I said, well, I've got a, I've got a, there's no famine coming to Sydney. I have all this energy. <laughs> all my energy. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm full of energy and, 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 and there's no famine coming to Sydney. So I have to create my own famine. So this was the idea of doing a water fast. This was the idea of, of now going and doing maybe a month or maybe two months or maybe longer. Maybe I should just go and like pretend I'm back in the, in the, on the savannah back, you know, a million years ago. Because I tell you what, there weren't too many 340-pound people walking around then. So this was my logic, right? Now, that contradicted with the idea of just eating plants. So you can see I'm, I'm, I'm trying to fix fat, I'm trying to fix sick, and I've got two solutions. So the world of juicing opened up to me when I combined the two came together. Why not drink water filtered through plants? I decided that I would start that two years with 60 days of drinking just the water that is harnessed in fruits and vegetables. We call that fresh juicing today, but I was looking at it as consuming all the micronutrients that are trapped in the water, basically, you know, drinking liquid sunshine. And so this was going to be my entry into two years. I would do 60 days and then I would do another 22 months of eating plants. So when I arrived at this and I started sharing this with friends and family, a buddy of mine said, mate, you're the least likely person to do this. You're a finance guy. You're, you're like the most least likely guy. You should put a camera on yourself. You should film this. Because number one, this will help you. That'll be your community looking down the lens. And number two, there's so many other people that are like you mm-hmm. that if this works, and we didn't know if it was going to work, but if this works, you can really help other people by showing them what you've done. That sort of connected with me. And again, what's so amazing here is that social media was not even like a word on anyone's lips at that point. Not, so not at in all. In some ways, you're like the founding father <clears throat> of, of yeah. inspiration. Well, that goes back to the storytelling because I knew that I could tell a story. And, and honestly, when I, when I started this journey, I really did think at the very beginning of it that there would be maybe twenty or 30,000 DVDs spread around all the yoga communities, all these places in, in Bali and certain parts of the world that I never thought this would be a mainstream uh, right. thing. And then, of course, then I get going. And then it doesn't take two years. It takes 60 days on juice and it takes three months of eating plants. So in five months, I go from 330 down to 230 and I'm off all medication. And I'm, I, I mean, I'm, I'm still a big guy. I'm not like, I'm not, you know, I don't need to run around the shower to get wet. I mean, it, it just happens. I am, yeah. I, I'm not small. Yeah. You know? How tall are you? I'm 6'2". 6'2". So okay. Yeah. So that's. My view on this was more about getting healthy 
Yes, I didn't want to be 330, but I was happy to be 240, 250. I wasn't uncomfortable there. But the reality was it was all about getting off these meds and it was just making sure that I would stay alive longer and be happier and healthier and, you know, lead a good life. I didn't know that it was going to – I didn't know Netflix was coming in 2011. When Netflix went streaming and my, my film hit, it went berserk. Yeah. It, it went crazy. So how were you receiving encouragement along the way? I mean, right now, like, you know, if you were to do this now, you could all obviously do it for a lot less money through social media. But And no one would it's, even bat an eye. They'd be like, get, oh, yeah, good for you. Yeah, and you do would that get thing. that, like, instant feedback and encouragement. And you'd also get the sort of naysayers and the discouraging words. But I'm just curious, as you're going along, you just have a camera pointed one way. Mm-hmm. How are you sort of like, who is pushing you along? I'm very good at imagining things. So while I was filming, I would imagine people that were sitting on the other side of that lens, that were sitting in their TV room. And I basically created two images. I created a lady that was working at a call center. It happened to be just in my mind. It was an AT&T call center. <laughs> yeah. and, and I felt that she was someone who would watch the movie and then take green juice into the call center where there was 300 people working and that people would see her doing it and people would watch her and she would be getting thinner by the day. And people I love would, this like visualization. Yeah, you power. actually like created yeah. your demographic in like real terms. When I would talk to people on the street, I didn't go out and try and change the world except myself. I mean, you know, I, I was about changing me. I wasn't about putting anyone down. I mean, you know, I was the guy who was like everyone else, you know. Right. I, you weren't I, preaching along God the no. way. You were, and, God and, and, no. and you were actually living the, walking the walk. I yeah, mean, and I assume yeah. that like your own transformation before your very eyes was the ultimate encouragement. Absolutely. But yeah. I'd be like 32 days in and you pull over on the side of the road in Memphis, you know, and you, you know, there was a lady that was walking down with her kid you know, I pulled up in my SUV and we cracked open the trunk and I got my juicer out and I started, you know, connected it to the generator and got my produce out. And, you know, we do it about 200 yards ahead. And sometimes they'd veer off and you, the person you were trying to talk to would not appear. But this lady kept walking down the street. And by the time she got to us, I was sitting ready to go. The camera crew was ready and I went up to her. And what you don't see in the movie is that half an hour of the storytelling is me telling my story to her before she even opens her mouth. Mm-hmm. And me telling why I'm doing this and what I'm about and me sharing my pain, my suffering. Because when you share, ordinary people will open up and tell you how they're feeling because there's a bond. Mm-hmm. Then the, the cameras are rolling the whole time, of course. But now what you see in the film is the gold of what she shares. And she comes over to the truck. We have a juice together. The kid tastes it. You know, I remember think this particular lady, I mean, the kid wanted to go to Chuck E. Cheese, which I'd never heard of, but I assumed it was it was like a fast food place. Mm. And there's no judgment. There's no like, you know, oh, listen, I'm doing this. If you want to do it, give it a go. Here's my card. Give me a yell. Nice meeting you. See you later. And I think that that resonated with the American public and the everywhere else in the world because it's been seen all over the world. And to this day, I mean, three or 4,000 people watched the movie last night. You and see this it is every years day. later. I mean, it's this amazing is, that it's still <clears> having these sort of after, you know, this ripple effect is happening. Seriously, we shot the movie, you know, 7 to 08, and we're now 18. But the movie didn't launch till 11, right? right. So it's, it's had seven years of life. How know. many people have seen it in the seven years? Well, it's hard to, to be exact, but Netflix had a uh, ratings thing. It used to be public. And the internal numbers that we, we have calculated via that, and, you know, we've had two television premieres. We had a television premiere in the UK, which had two million people watching in one night. Mm-hmm. But we, we think it's well over 30 million people now over this period That's of time. Yeah. And I think that nobody who watches this movie misses the point or is left feeling uninspired in some way. And I think, honestly, it's impossible to watch that story unfold and not take something away from it. So in that way, you can very safely say that you have had influence over a minimum of 30 million people in the world, which is fucking awesome. Yeah, it's, 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 it's real. I'm really proud of it. 
And, um, you know, it's not just me, it's my team. I had great people working with me and there's great people who still work with me. So I, I don't want to take all the credit, but certainly there was, there's a lot of magic there. 30 million people might sound like a lot, but there's still a couple of hundred million people that I've got to get to yet. Of and, course. And, you know, it, it's still very relevant. Where did it take you and what happens from there? I had no idea that this was going to, like, uh, this was not a thing I chose. I, I went and did this with the view to go back to my life. Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't do this to be a, the fact that I'm sitting here talking to you guys, the fact that I'm recognized in the street, generally by my voice, you know, when I'm talking on the phone, people come up and say, oh, mate, I did 30 days. Here's my photo, <laughs> you know? You know, sometimes I'm going through security and the TSA people when I'm going through customs, when I'm in a London cab. You know, it's, it's kind of crazy. And it's not because they think you're Russell Crowe? No, I, I, <laughs> did, I did get a bit of that, but no, not really. The reality is, is, that, is that I ended up not being in front of this because when it went on Netflix in 2011, July, August, September, I mean, you couldn't buy a juicer in, in Walmart or Target or, I mean, the whole America cleaned out. You know, that was a pretty big impact, what it did. And, and it took the sales of juices and, and, and to a certain degree, blenders. And, you know, you could argue the Nutribullet, which used to be called the Magic Bullet. Mm-hmm. And after Fat Sick and Nearly Dead and after that taking in of the public, sort of all of a sudden it's okay to drink a green drink. Because before that, it was like, you know, why would I touch a green drink? But in, in this movie, it's not necessarily my journey. It's more the truck driver that follows me that right. we then follow, mm-hmm. who's just a regular bloke, you know, from Iowa, who's basically, you know, a truck driver who is 440, 450 pounds, and he is suffering. And, you know, that resonates. You know, these are real stories of real people. And done properly, those stories really can connect. A lot of people who watch the movie feel the pain that Phil and I felt, and they want to make that change. So we have to give them the tools. We had to give them the support. We had to give them the information. And so it took me a little while. And all of a sudden, I'm not doing what I used to do. I'm doing something completely different. I'm, I'm like doing this. And, and that was unusual. It sort of grew from there. And, you know, the, 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 the guys at Breville, I mean, what was, what was funny about the whole machine world is that for, you know, for a year, I tried to get, in, get into all of the people who are making juices and no one would take my call. But we took your call. No, no, no. Who are making machines? Oh, machines. Yeah. Why didn't you just make your own machine, like Juicero? Yeah, Juicero? yeah. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> well, well, Zoe. The reason is, is I'm the, sorry. I just no. I know. I mean, Sometimes things are just you, to too complicated. Yeah. So, yeah, making a machine like it's a big deal. It's not a small thing, you know. It's a, it's a big deal and it, and it takes a lot of capital. And you know what? I'm a big believer with my world of startup and what I've done is you stick to your lanes. So why not just go to somebody who knows all about that and partner with them, which is what I did. Low-hanging fruit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that was with Breville for those who, who know that company. And, and then you guys were doing Blueprint. And I remember at the time that, uh, you know, you guys really were on this. I mean, what, what, years did, what year did we you guys start? start? We launched in seven. the beginning in January of 2007. Yeah, so we're on the same wavelength. I mean, in yeah. fact, if anything, you were ahead of me because I didn't start filming until October of 07. So, yeah. so you were well and truly. And if you remember back then, I'm sure you guys do. You know, you couldn't, you had to go a long way in New York City to find a juice bar. Now you can't swing a cat without hitting one. That's correct. I mean, they're everywhere, right? It's, it's, it's I an, don't swing cats, but I, yes, I understand. That's an Australian expression. I, I, okay. We got it here too. Um, <laughs> so visual. I, I actually love cats. So <laughs> I don't want to, and, and all the animal lovers out there, I don't swing cats either, but it's an expression. <laughs> I, I wouldn't mind swinging a cat. <laughs> but yes, you can, you can, they're on every corner at the time. So that was 2000. So when you were doing your research and sort of reading up and figuring out what needed to happen, you know, 2006 was when... It was a nothing. I mean, nobody... I mean, who who thought about doing juice 
for 60 days. I mean— Well, there were some people. I mean, so at the time, actually, so something similar when you were talking about going off your meds and everything else. I mean, I think a lot of people, they think of you, they think of the movie, and they think about weight loss. But I think it's so much—you know, the benefits are so much greater than that. It's about It's about being able to say, like, I threw away my blood pressure medication. Yeah, correct. You know, I spent some time at the Ann Wigmore Institute in Puerto Rico, which is this very intense— Raw food, wheatgrass therapy, juice therapy, all that stuff. There were so many stories like that. And unfortunately, everyone went there for a very limited period of time. And I think it worked. It was very effective. And so many people said, I was there for two weeks and I can't believe it. But like, I don't have to take my medication anymore. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's that powerful, even that short amount of time. But the problem is, then they go home. They go back to their old ways. They go back to Miami (laughs) and they're like, well... Where are my tools? I can't actually live like that. That's not sustainable. I need support. Um, what are my I options? Need to, yeah, yeah, I need to understand how to sort of work this into my lifestyle and not turn my lifestyle upside down to the point where I have to go like live at, you know, the Ann Wigmore Institute in Puerto Rico. Yeah. So I feel like that's sort of where you kind of took your next step. You're supplying the tools. Yeah, and 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 I want to make sure that we're clear. I didn't invent juicing. I don't ever think that I'm the. We did actually. Okay. <laughs> I'm happy for you guys to take that credit. <laughs> I'm kidding. I no, know you are. I thing, know you are. But in our own ways, we all kind of put it out in the world in a way that is yeah, more yeah. available to people, which is exactly where it should be. And in today's world, I'm a student of the culture, and I look at the world and I see so many people are having trouble with trust in institutions mm-hmm. and in corporations. And really, that where pharma. where's your trust? And this is the opportunity right now. The trust is in people that we look up to, the people that we, we, we see that are real and transparent. So to me, my whole life has been, I'm not the smartest person in the room, but I'm willing to listen and I want to have smart people around me. And I think it's a boring day when you don't learn something. You know, you, you know if I don't learn something, that's a, that's a wasted day. So for me, going on this journey, I certainly didn't invent juicing. I, it, to me, it was just a logical thing that would work for me. I was fortunate enough to have the capital to get the money together to do this passion play, which mm-hmm. was make this film. And then from that, it's like, okay, so let's look at this logically to your point, Zoe. You can eat processed food, you can eat animal product, and you can eat plant food, okay? Now, if we have all this problem in the world, all, this, all, this, all these issues with health, and we look at the, the percentages, like I said earlier, like 10% of total calories coming from plants for the average person, you know, the standard American diet, we call the yeah. SAD diet. What happens if you pump up the volume of those plants? What happens if you can take that 10 to 20 to 30? What happens? Juicing and blending and eating salads and adding more right. cups, whatever, whatever it is, that's how we pump up the volume. Telling people what to do doesn't work. Showing people, or leading by example, I think is the best tool that I have. And by inspiring people, it's much better. I think it's a much better story to say, eat more than eat less. Okay, Mm -hmm. so eat more plants. And by default, if you eat more plants, you will by default not eat processed food as much. I'm not a vegan by any means, so animal product I consume. But I like to have the animal product that I consume coming from a source that is trusted, that I like, that's clean. I don't eat, you know, there are certain things in my life that I just don't do for the last 11 years. I don't smoke cigarettes anymore. I don't drink alcohol anymore. I don't have soda except I will have ginger ale. That's my like, that's my, my beer is like ginger ale, Mm -hmm. okay? But I don't, I don't, you know, Coca-Cola was one of my favorite things in the world. I I haven't had a Coca-Cola in 11 years. Well, it'll be 11 years in October. 
I love that it's right up there with cigarettes yeah, and alcohol. Yeah, how many days it, it should yeah. be. I don't eat fast food. I haven't had Maccas. I haven't had, you know, those restaurant food for 11 years, all coming up in October. So just to be, to be factual. But, you know, if I go over to, to a mate's house and they're cooking, you know, a great burger yeah. on the barbie and it's grass-fed. I mean, and, if you say it like that, like... Yeah, but then yeah, I'm going to have a burger right. and I enjoy it. So I'm not... But you're flipping the ratio, essentially, is what you're saying. I mean, you're not eliminating, you're adding... Correct. And you're flipping the correct. ratio. And, and so to me, it's all about pumping up the volume. And then I think you've got to keep working on new things. And so I'm a big believer in the fasting world. I mean, I'm, I'm hugely excited that fasting is becoming much more mainstream now. My journey now over this 11 years, what I have learned is that there really are these pillars of pillars of health if you like all these you know these these verticals that we need to focus on as as humans and not get too caught in the weeds i think there's a danger of getting too detail orientated because it, it can become that's overwhelming yeah, i mean it, it, it's too much yeah. so let's look at it you know you got to move you got to eat you got to sleep and you got to rest they're nice four things that we can all associate with. And if you can balance those things out where you're focused on ways to do those four things well, work out how you're going to get movement, whether it's going to a gym, whether it's going for a walk or doing something that gets movement, gets the heart rate up. How can you improve your sleep? Is that about making sure there's no white light in the room for three or four hours before you go to bed? Is there, is there some sleep hygiene tips that you can do in your bedroom? Is there something else you can do about maybe eliminating caffeine before midday or some sugary? There's, there's ways to think about sleep. When it comes to rest, I mean, this is, should be the fun thing for all of us. What about doing things we love and making sure we fit those into our schedules a couple of times a week? And then when it comes to the food, well, let's work out ways that we can pump up our volume of eating more fruits and vegetables. So when you take all of that and you start creating a narrative and you start creating a story behind all of that, that's where I get excited and that's what I see my role when I go out and talk to people and audiences of a couple hundred people, 300 people in a room, I don't talk too much about juicing. You know, that comes in the Q&A. They want to know the difference between juicing and blending. They want to know about, and I tell those things. But my story is a much broader story now about trying to get people to just take a chill pill and just relax and say, you know what? We're 5 million years old, us, us humanoids, us homo sapiens that we are now. We're 250,000 years old. We did just fine with our calorie counters, you know? <laughs> So let's look at this in a very common sense way and let's take some ownership and let's be accountable and let's make sure that there's a lot of love and connection in our life because those things are super critical. So let's look at what happens to the microbiome. And we all know that when you get embarrassed, how your face goes red. So the emotion, just anyone just to look at it, you can see the emotion, how you feel when you get an emotion, your whole body, your, your yeah. physiology changes. Right. So if you're constantly stressed all the time, just imagine the impact that has to your body right. versus having an Oreo. Yeah, your body is going to follow where your mind goes. Absolutely. Right? Like your cells are eavesdropping on your thoughts. Right. Absolutely. I feel like because we're such nerds about this, all of us, we could really dig into it. But I really want to touch on, because we have the honor of being with you, who we consider to be kind of like a fellow OG, fellow pioneer. I really want to touch on something you said earlier when you were starting to talk about trust. There are exciting things happening. And then there are things that feel a little bit shady in this wellness community, or not even shady, but like, how do people know who to trust? So we're talking about a massive industry of wellness. And when you have a lot of money and a lot of people, like there's a demand and you have a lot of money, you're going to get a lot of people coming in that are going to be doing things that are not, you know, real. They're not keeping it real. 
I'm a big believer that I think people have great bullshit radars. They, they, they have that radar inside and they can tell that the secret to people like Oprah have been so successful is because they're vulnerable, because they're real, because they're telling it how it is. And I've taken the step, and I know you guys have as well with what you've done, to be that way. So my advice, if someone's listening out there and wanting to know, then I think you've got to look at where's the vulnerability in the person you're following. Because I got to tell you, here's the here's a newsflash. No one's perfect, okay? Yeah. No one is perfect, and least of all me. Well, and the more they try to sell you on how perfect they are, the more it really smells like bullshit. Yeah. And so I think people have a very good radar for that. So I think, I, I don't know if I need to be the person to tell people that, but I think that if you just trust your intuition and trust internally, try things, see if it works for you. We are our own best doctors. We're our own best CEOs of our health. I think the days of following are over. I think it's the days of being your own explorer and working it out. Each and every single one of us is completely unique and different. To that end, does placebo effects work? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Are people selling rubbish and people are feeling good? Yeah, <laughs> because placebo works in trials, all right? Yeah. So, so I'm not going to criticize that because I'm going to say, well, if they're feeling good, great. Now, I can tell you with my own business model, it's bloody hard to make money in this business and be real. If I come back in 10 years' time, I would hope that I can sit here and say, I do a lot more than we do now, which right now we offer these guided reboots. We align people with nutritionists who take them through a step-by-step -step process. And it's a, it's a great thing. And the success is huge. And we help people, you know, 50 people sign up with one nutritionist. They go off and they do it. And they do it as a team. And this works. This and is part of the Join the Reboot community, that, that, right? That we are in, my, in, in, in the Reboot with Joe community, okay. we have guided reboots. And that's probably our biggest revenue model, which is people. It's, it's coaching. It's one to 50. It's a nutritionist trained and not a health coach that's done an internet course, a proper nutritionist that, that's gone right. to. Right. I know. There are all these. It's like everyone and their mother is a health coach from, yeah. from IIN, <laughs> Integrative Institute of yeah. Nutrition. Yeah. I have nothing against it, but I just like to make the distinction that IIN is definitely more about, you know, it's a very broad overview of everything that exists yeah. today. And then a lot of it has to do with like how to start your own business, build a business yeah. health coach. Yeah. So yeah. There, there's a big There's a big difference. And so yeah. I bring in the people that have done the three or four years of study that have had the practical experience with patients in hospitals, in clinics. If people are going to trust their questions about their blood thinning medication, I want to make sure that I've got someone who right. knows damn sure what to say. You know, to me, I think that this is the, an incredible opportunity in the world right now where individuals, the wellness space, it's very specific. There are people that are really good at yoga. Then you've got the people that are doing the infrared saunas. You've got the marathon runners. You've got the Cryo, crossfits. The, you've got the, yeah. So you've got all these things. I'm lucky that I'm not the expert. I'm like the big brother you never had. I'm the bloke who's going out there who's trying mm -hmm. to find stuff out to share with you. So I don't profess to be an expert at any of those things. What I try to do is talk to the experts, take very complicated things, try and distill it down and make it simple for people who are busy to understand. Mm -hmm. So that's the storyteller. I'm probably not in the expertise role to sort of say that product's not good or that product's not good or that person because I really don't know. What I do is I rely on experts to I say- I mean, you're a truth seeker. Right. You're yeah. a storyteller and you're a supporter. Right? Yeah. That's how. I, and that is actually how you earn people's trust. And I think that trust is 100% earned. It's not something you just take. So. Yeah, you want to change the world, start with changing yourself. That's my motto. And that's what I did. And that's what's proved and helped me in my journey. And anyone out there that is in this world, that has a story to tell, that wants to inspire others, my advice is simply do that. Lead by example. We've got to stop telling people what to do. If everyone followed the rules, we wouldn't need law enforcement. We wouldn't need anything. Everyone would just do what they're told. We My don't... child would eat what I put in front of him. <laughs> exactly. Unfortunately, instead, exactly. I have to sit next to him. 
and like put four different colored vegetables Make in my plate game. and show him, you e- know, e- that's exactly. the only way. Exactly. So uh, to me, it's about if there's someone in the family, if there's a loved one that you want to help, you want to connect with, don't tell them what to do. Just say, hey, I'm doing this. If you want to join me, join me and you just do it. Yeah. People get very curious too when they sense that you're doing something kind of radical. Of course. And it could have possible positive, you know, impact. What you got over there? Yeah. And that crinkly paper that no one understands. Yeah. yeah. When I was when I was a raw foodist way back in the day in like 2001, people were like, what the hell is that? What the hell is wrong with you? And yeah. What's wrong like, with you? Yeah. It was mysterious was like, and intriguing. I was always just like creeping around with my weird like, you know, whatever snacks, all the dehydrated stuff and like, you know, fruits and vegetables. And I can't tell you how many people were constantly questioning me. Constantly. I mean, they were really, really curious. Mm. And I wasn't preaching. I wasn't like, hey, put down the cheeseburger or whatever. I mean, I was just sort of like, this makes me feel really good. I had no idea, but like, I'm just going to keep doing it because I feel awesome. People are definitely curious. And I think once they know and once they sort of get that education, the first thing they want to do is go out and tell someone, right? So they want to like, continue to like educate, you know, yeah. they feel a little, you know, feel like they're the smartest person in the room. Which now. again, right. I think is why even without social media, there were, you know, opportunities that we saw with Blueprint and that you had the same thing where that word of mouth is so powerful because mm-hmm. once someone does something that they like or they feel it has been effective in some way of helping them achieve a goal, all they want to do is just evangelize. Yeah. yeah. And they drank juice and, you know, yeah. they did a reboot and all of a sudden everybody needed to know about it. Exactly. But, and there's that balance, right? No one likes the food police. Right. Nobody likes no. them. All right. No. But there's that balance of being enthusiastic and being an evangelist, but not being a pain in the ass. Right. Yeah. And so that's, I'm sure I was a pain in the ass. No, no, but no, I'm sure I'm sure you would. But but that's that's the challenge for those that want to spread the word. Yeah. You know, you want to be the storyteller, you want to pass it on, you just gotta be humble. Yeah. And 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 that's 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 my advice. Truth and humble. That gets you a long way. Once upon a time. I threw away my blood pressure medication. <laughs> For the record, I am no longer a raw foodist, but... But you still like some shit with the crinkly paper and no labels, which is totally cool. Yeah. As no, do I'm, I. I, I partake, <laughs> uh, but I also don't eat meat. Anyway. Look, look, it's a very exciting time, guys, and this is a great time. And I'm really excited for your launch of your podcast to, to share stories. And, you know, because you guys are storytellers now too. If, you know, you know, I'm, That's I'm why we're it. doing this. Yeah. I mean, no. And we are in this extremely, like I'm, I, I couldn't be more optimistic about what's coming down the pipeline. I think that the people are hungry, you know, you pardon the pun. But they are hungry for trusted mm-hmm. souls to share and to connect with. And these format of podcasts when people are driving to work or on a lunch break or on the subway or just going for a walk or doing some housework or working in the garden, just to have these sorts of conversations while they're doing other things, I think it's really, really powerful. And you know, it's very intimate. It's very personal. And I think that that's the way that we can make big changes, you know. I agree. Well, we're all doing God's work, I suppose. <laughs> Um, All right. Well, so now it's time for our favorite question. Yeah. Let's talk about your fantasy dinner party and who's invited and what are you serving? And you don't have to make it yourself, but you have to eat it. Oh, okay. Certainly, you know, the dead people are much more interesting, right? So uh, I thought about this and you know what? I'd really love to go back seven generations of my family lineage to the man that came to Australia because he stole a sheep and he was a convict. So he was he was like a prisoner. Like they miss. And she was and she was a prostitute. <laughs> so she was, it is and Fontaine, the whole oh, story yeah, is right there. God. And so this idea of being able to go back in time 
and see where I love. My home is Sydney. I love it there. I love the rest of the world, but I just love Sydney. I'm a very big fan of my own home city. And so I was thinking that maybe my, my fantasy dinner party, that it could, I could go back then and meet them then and see what Sydney looked like. And then because there'd be no processed food, it'd be quite easy. We'd just get whatever we could just get. forage. And forage. And we would just, I'm sure there'd be a lot of, you know, steak or lamb or whatever. And so that'd be like, how good would that be back then? Eating a meal from like 250 years ago. I used to love talking to my grandparents about how things were. And, you know, when, when my grandmother was born, aeroplanes had just been flying for like three years. And just the fact that my grandmother yeah. was born when aeroplanes had only been three years. And look what we've done now. And just in this sort of time frame, so what we can learn from people with grey hair and uh, those things, that's, a, that's powerful. Yeah. So anyone out there who's young, take the time <laughs> to go and talk to someone who's old and just ask questions. And don't be afraid to ask a dumb question because in my world, there's no dumb questions. And then after dinner, maybe you guys could all tuck in and watch a little Les Mis. <laughs> you can tell your, your great, 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 great grandfather who Jean Valjean is and just totally blow his mind. <laughs> All right, my other question for you, we talk a lot about like all these pillars and how simple it is if we just sort of like, you know, eat, sleep, move, all these things. What do you do for fun? So, you know, to me, old friends um, are, are really important. New friends are great, but hanging out with old friends and, and, and just having laughs are great. When I'm on my own, I love listening to music. I, I'm, I'm, you know, a big U2 fan. And so I'm, I, I like listening to the boys from Ireland and the, and the messages in their songs and the tunes. I've kind of grown up with that. So it sort of feels like, you know, it, it, I relate to that sort of messaging. And I actually enjoy watching content. I'm, I'm a big consumer of watching content. I like to learn about how things are made and the stories that people are telling. And so I like fantasy and I like the, the documentary world. So that's a personal when I'm on my own. So they're the sort of things I do for fun. And, and I'm a big believer in, in pampering too. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I, I love relaxation. And okay, I, how do you pamper yourself? Well, I love getting a foot massage when oh, I can, right. you know. And, <laughs> and, and, and pedicure? Of course. I think you've got to look after yourself and you've got to give yourself some time out. And that can be, you know, and, you know, one of the best things about getting a manicure and pedicure is that you got you can't talk on the phone because it's rude. You can't even hold your phone. No, but it's very rude with the people next to you. So all you can do is listen to music or a podcast and chill out. Totally. And it's just a nice little way of of, of circuit breaking in the outside world. There are some, though, that do talk on their phone. So for anyone who's doing that, now you know. It's not okay. It's not okay. It's absolutely not. Okay. We are there to pamper and relax and, and turn it off. SF yeah. up, exactly. Abs- absolutely. And uh, the phone etiquette is a, something that we all got to, I think we've got to work harder at that one. Yes, know? agreed. Oh, Joe, it's so nice to see you. Thank you so much for being here. And yeah. we're going to send people to learn more about you and your films and all of your projects to your... Yeah, they can. well, the best way to do it is to go to RebootWithJoe.com or, you know, if you've got Netflix, just put Joe Cross in the search. And my three movies, the Fat Sick and Nearly Dead 1, Fat Sick and Nearly Dead 2, and then The Kids Menu, my latest movie, which is all about, you know, inspiring uh, young kids and families to eat healthier, which I think is um, a big... It's, it's a whole other show. It's a big conversation. Yes, so it is. So those movies are out there on Netflix for all to see. And if you haven't got Netflix, you can get them at iTunes and all the other places where you can download. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Thanks, Joe. Until next time. Thank you, guys. <laughs> Juice on. Thanks for listening to Highway to Well. Find us on Instagram and Facebook at Highway to Well Podcast. Or if you have more time to hang out with us, check out our product reviews, send us your ideas for guests or topics, and learn more about our guests at highwaytowellpodcast.com. You can also rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app.